the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The very God of this universe makes himself nothing. That is an act of humility, as we'll see today on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. It's been said that Jesus is just as much God as if he were not man, just as much man as if he were not God. He emptied himself, became nothing. It's called the kenosis. That's the Greek word. And today, Pastor Jessica Stand, here on Way of Grace, continues our examination of this amazing passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. The humility of Christ, the integrity of meekness before honor. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast. I won't get too boring with you on Greek technical terms, but it's important to know that when Paul says who, that is Jesus, the antecedent to the rest of the the imperatives, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, who being in the form of God. We want to deal with two things, the, the verb there and the noun. The verb there is being. The very being of Jesus is divine. Y'all see that? Who being who being, who has his existence, who has his essence, who has his subsistence. That means he is. He not was or will be, he is. Who being in the form of God. That verb form means that when Paul begins to contemplate who Jesus is, he doesn't ask, was Jesus ever not God? He is asserting that he always was. He's also giving us an insight into Christ's own thinking about himself. Now, I want you to get this because we're dealing with humility, are we not? I want you to get this now. Christ knows who he is. Do you know who you are? Christ knows who he is. Christ knows that he is an eternal divine being. He knows that. He knows that he has existed from eternity to eternity. He knows that. He knows that he bears all of the qualities of the divine nature. He knows that in his own right, he is God. He knows that. That was never a question in his own mind. Isn't that amazing? Now, you know, we live in a generation today where folks don't know themselves. I've been talking about that for a while. I don't know if, who my mom is, don't know who my daddy is. I don't even know if I'm a human being. I don't know if I'm a male or a female. We, tr- we, we troubled today, aren't we? Whole lot of people don't know their being, but Jesus knew his being. He knew that he was the great I am. He knew he was the tetragrammaton of Exodus chapter 3. He knew he was Yahweh. He knew he was Jehovah. He knew he was the God that made all things. He knew that. He stated it in so many ways, did he not? Who being in the form of God, bearing the very nature and characteristics and attributes of God, which is a great privilege, not only knowing it, but being it. It's a great privilege. It's one thing to be it and not know it. Like you are a human being. That's your being, human being. 
but you may not know it. You subsist. I'm getting ready to divide those categories in a moment. As male and female, you may not own it, but it exists. We all generically bear what is called human nature. That's called essence. But each one of us individually have what is called personhood, and that's called subsistence. It makes you distinctly different than others who are around you. Some of you men are sitting next to women. Y'all bear generically the same nature, but you are subsistently a male and she's a female. Did y'all get that? These are called personal attributes. And Jesus is in essence God, bearing all the attributes of God, but subsistently he's the son of God. His daddy subsistently is his father. And the Holy Ghost subsistently is the third person. There are three persons who constitutes the one divine being. We call it the Trinity. Is that right? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They all bear one divine nature like we bear one generic humanity, but we are all distinct persons. Did y'all get that? Did y'all get that? And Christ knew he was both God and the son of God. Now, just to state it and keep it moving, if you have a proper definition, a working definition, a biblical definition of the son of God, then you also know to say the son of God is to call him God. That it is impossible to not be calling him God when you call him the son of God. Like it's impossible for me to call a woman a woman and not be calling her a human being. Did y'all get that? Wake up now. Hear me now. I'm getting ready to lay doctrine down to help you. Who being in the form of God, being in the form of God, never struggled. Christ never struggled with who he was. Hallelujah. He never struggled with who he was. The devils knew who he was. You are the son of the living God. You can throw us into hell in a moment. And his people know who he is. His father knew who he was. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. The Holy Ghost knew who he was. That holy thing within you, Mary, is called the son of the living God. The angels knew who he was. He is the child of the most high God. They all knew. Do you know who Jesus is? Now, I want you to work with me now. Get to, you get to enjoy what we call, at least the theologians call, the infinite condescension of Christ. If he is God, then he bears attributes that are exclusive to God alone. Would you agree with that? If he is God, he bears attributes that are exclusive to God alone. Now, I'm getting ready to take you through your Bible. You're going to get the heebie-jeebies because I know you ain't read your Bible that much, but y'all getting ready to read Bible verses. Okay, there are what I am calling five incommunicable, non-shared attributes of God by which God is God all by himself and no one shares these attributes. I am God alone and my glory I will never give to another. There are things about God that can be said of no other creature in the universe. First one, eternality. God is from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Y'all get that? Now, if you know your Bible, it comes out of Psalm 90, right? We, we, we quote that often when we're, when we're burying people and what God lets us know the difference between him and the creature is we change, we get old, and we die. God remains the same from eternity past to eternity future. This is the eternality of God. Y'all got that? God doesn't have a beginning and God doesn't have a what? 
And so pull it up, please. Come on, we, stay with me now. Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2, because I want people to see it. I don't want to simply tell you what the attributes of God are. I want to show you biblically. And I want to show you how the Old Testament and the New Testament correspond to prove emphatically and clearly that Jesus is God. Do you see it? Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Where have we been? You showed up. Before the mountains were brought forth, even you have formed the earth and the world. Stop. Before the mountains were brought forth. Or even you have formed the earth and the world. Do you know what he's describing? Creation. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even you have created and formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You believe that? You know what John 1, 1 says? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You know what that means? The Father and the Son existed before anything was made. That gives Christ eternality, does it not? In the beginning, the Word was. That's actually the construction. In the beginning, whenever there's a beginning, the Word already was. We call that the imperfect verb form. That means when you look behind beginning things, Christ is there. He's the beginning of everything. If it had a beginning, he made it. That means he has his origin in eternity. I love it. Now, one of the other texts that affirms this is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Pull it up. I want to establish this for those who don't have a biblical working knowledge of a concrete evidence of who Christ is. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Now, you heard this before. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Now, what we call that in theology, are you ready? Is immutability. You know what immutability means? It means you don't ever change. Now, everything is changing around us, but God. Do you know why? Because he's eternal. He does not diminish. He does not increase. He remains the same. God is constant as we read in Psalm 90. Is that right? Now, watch Psalm 102 underscore the same statement. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Psalm 102, 25. Psalm 102, 25. I want you to track with me because I'm sharing with you briefly the incommunicable, unshared attributes of the Son of the living God. It affirms his deity. These are attributes he knows, attributes you should know in order for you to quell the question forevermore, is that man, Jesus, God? Notice what it says, Psalm 102, verse 25. Of old, you have found, laid the foundation of the earth. Is that what it says? And the heavens are the work of your hands. Verse 26. Listen to this. They shall perish, but you shall endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture, you shall change them and they shall be changed. What is he describing? The futility of our universe. The collapsing of our world. The fact that things are getting old. All the scientists, they all know we are operating out of the first, second, and third laws of thermodynamics. We know we're getting old. We are wearing out. We are dying. We know it. We know there is a futility to life, right? The only thing that does not diminish is God. Watch what it says now in verse 27. But you are the same and your years have no what? Now, who is the psalmist talking about? God. Who else is he talking about? Christ. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is what we call eternality, saints. It's important for you to know that. Another attribute of Christ is that he is omniscient. You know what omniscience means? 
everywhere present. Omniscience, I'm sorry, omniscience means he knows everything that is to be known. Ain't nothing about the universe or things being made that Christ does not know, that the Father does not know, that the Son does not know. I know you heard this verse before, but here it is, Psalm 9410. I'm sharing with you attributes about Christ that you need to know, because when we step into the humility of Christ, you need to know what he is momentarily or temporarily setting aside. The text says, he that chastises the heathen, shall he not what? Correct? And he that teaches man knowledge, shall he not what? Does God know everything? Here's another verse that underscores it. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. You've heard it before, but I want you to lock it in. This is God telling Jeremiah, don't worry about the trouble you're in. Here's what he says. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And there is nothing what? Too hard for thee. Do you know what that means? God has never run into a complicated situation where he said, hold on, I'll be right back. I got to go figure this out. Because what that would imply is limited knowledge. It would mean that God looking into the thing does not have a full comprehensive working knowledge of either the problem or the issue. That would deny God's omniscience. Is that right? But if we know that we have a God with whom light and darkness are the same, that everything in the universe is absolutely exposed to him with whom we have to do, then God never, ever struggles with what he sees. Now, you and I do. You and I are learning all the time. Is that not so? God can't learn a thing. God knows everything. Is that right? So omniscience never has a problem. Another verse I want you to see, this is Jeremiah 32, uh, verse uh, 27. Jeremiah affirms it here, and here's what God says in Jeremiah 27. Behold, I am Yahweh. The God of all what? Is there anything too hard for me? What's the answer? Oh, you remember what David said in Psalm 139? He says the darkness and the light are the same. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Watch Hebrews 4.12. This is what Hebrews 4.12 says concerning God in relationship to the word of God. For the word of God is Christ. Is Christ the word of God? Watch this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, wouldn't it be logical if the word made everything that the word knows everything? Look at verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest where? In his sight. Do you know what that means? There's nothing hid. See, when we're ignorant and unlearned, things are hid, are they not? We have to discover them. They have to be explained. When you are a God with whom light and darkness are the same, there's nothing hid from you. And this is what's being attributed to the word of God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This is called omniscience. Now, does Christ know everything? Does he know the end from the beginning? It's very clear that he does. He is the word of God. He made all things. Go to John 1, 1. I want to reassert this so you can get it. We're going to read John 1, 1, John 1, 2, and John 1, 3, and you're going to see them encompass his eternality, his equality with God, his creatorship, and therefore his omniscience. If he created it, does he not know it? Here it is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We see two persons there, do we not? 
All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was what? So if it's a made thing, he made it. And if he made it, he knows it. There is nothing hid from his eyes. We call this omniscience. Let's answer another question about what we call the incommunicable attributes of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Christ possesses what we call omnipresence? In his nature as being divine, is he not with the Father and the Holy Ghost everywhere? So when the Bible says, says that God bears omniscience, we take a text like Jeremiah 23, 24. Jeremiah 23, 24. And this is for you to know how to defend God's incommunicable attributes. Look at what it says. Notice what it says. Jeremiah 23, 24. Are you there? Can any hide himself in secret places that I should not see him? Woo! God is bad, isn't he? You can run, but you can't hide. God sees it all. I agree with that, don't you? Here it is. Do not I feel heaven and earth. Do you see it? That's why David said in Psalm 139, if I go to hell, you're there. If I make my heights in heaven, you're there too. God, you are before me and you are after me. There's no place where I can go where you are not. We call that omnipresent. Did Christ own that for himself? The gospel of John. He lays it out as he's dealing with Nicodemus in chapter three. I am the son of God who both am on earth and am in heaven. Christ is everywhere present. But what we are dealing with as we are affirming his divine attributes that cannot be shared is how it is that he takes up a position where everybody in the world knows Jesus merely as a man. That becomes the quagmire. That becomes the challenge. That becomes the difficulty for you and I to tell men and women that Jesus is God while at the same time being able to affirm that he's man. Is that right? And that's really where we are in our text. And what Philippians chapter 2 does is gives you a reason for which you and I can give an answer to that. Go back with me to Philippians 2 now and let's look at verse 6 a little bit more carefully before we work through 7 and 8 and close for today. Under point number one, we say that Jesus is, that is he possesses eternality, past, present, and future. Therefore, Jesus was never Jesus was or Jesus will be. Jesus what? That is a stated verb that does not have any boundaries on it. Whenever you use the word is, you are stating a present tense. Y'all got that? Like the Bible says, he that cometh unto God must believe that he is. Not that he was, not that he will be, that he is. This here is what we call eminence as well. Not only does God have eternal existence, future existence, but he dwells presently in his full orb glory presently. We believe him to be a very present help in time of trouble. Is that right? God is. Heard it some, somewhat this morning by Stephen as he intentionally mangled the verb form. Before Abraham was, I is. <laughs> I understood what he was saying. <laughs> Jesus several times by the Jews was about to be stoned for declaring his eternality. Now, if you say before Abraham was, I is, call John George because you got issues. Do you understand? There was a time when you was not is 
was not was. And there will be a time when you will not be. That's because you're a creature. But Jesus and the Father and the Holy Ghost are the one true and living God who is from eternity to eternity. They never change. Our text says, though he existed in the form of God, the word that I want you to deal with now is the form of God. And again, Paul writes as if he asserts that the Philippians know, and they do. But you and I should know too. One of the mistakes that we can make is to take ancient biblical terms, whether Hebrew or Greek and some Aramaic, and actually translate them into New Testament conventional definitions. That can be a huge mistake. Like, for example, you can take the word form and you will take on the idea of a kind of superficial shape, like an external similitude that doesn't take into consideration the internal contents. So when we talk about the form of something, we can actually take a piece of paper and write the form of a body on it. Is that right? And then we'll go, oh, that's the form of a body. But in Greek grammar or in first century thinking, form actually meant substance. It meant everything that that particular thing is. For instance, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, do you guys remember what the Bible says about how God created Adam? God formed Adam out of the what? Dust of the ground. And then he did what? Breathed into his nostrils, what? The breath of life. And Adam became a what? Do you guys remember that? Do y'all remember that? You mark it, Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God did what to the man? Formed him. That means he made him with all of the essence, all of the subsistence, all of the predications, all of the qualities, all of the attributes of a total and full man. Y'all got that? If that logic is true for Adam in Genesis 2-7, that God made the first man in all of the full orb attributes of humanity, is it not also true that Jesus bears all of the full orbed attributes and qualities of God? And this is why he said in John chapter 5, verse 38, pull it up, John 5, 38, to the rulers of his day. He said, you guys, I'm going to start at verse 36. He said, you guys got a problem. And here's the problem. Y'all got a Bible and y'all tout to everybody in the world that you know Jehovah, that you know Yahweh. But Yahweh sent me and I am the very representation of Yahweh. I bear all of the visible qualities of Yahweh. I bear all of the attributes, all of the predications, all of the qualities and characteristics of God. And you don't see me for who I am. How can you say you know God? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because the Son bears all of the attributes that constitutes what we know about God in his own essence. He is what we call the revelation of the invisible God. Is that right? So I can only know God through Christ. So now when the scripture says, but I have a greater witness than this, than that of John the Baptist for the works, which the father had given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the father has what? What Jesus was saying to the Jews is if you believe that God raises the dead, I raised the dead. If you believe that God upholds the universe, I uphold the universe. If you believe that God can take something and make something out of nothing, I do that. If you believe that God can heal the sick, I, I heal the sick. If you believe that God can change water into wine, I did that. 
He showed himself bearing the attributes of God all through his ministry. Is that right? If you don't believe me for me, believe me for the word's sake. See, mankind is in trouble when they bump up against the facts of the word of God concerning what Christ did. Studying God's word that we might show ourselves approved, that we might come to a deeper love and understanding of God's amazing love for us in Jesus Christ. This has been Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We are always delighted and grateful that you take a few moments to spend with us, that we might, again, study to show ourselves approved. And as we leave you today, we would also leave you with an invitation to join us for worship in person. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Jessica Stand and Grace Bible Church of Hayward, please consider this a formal invitation to spend Sundays with us. 11 a.m. is the worship service, 10 a.m. if you would like to join us for Sunday school. And don't forget, Friday evenings at 8 p.m., we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word with brothers and sisters in Christ from a variety of churches all over the Bay Area. That's at 8 p.m. Friday evenings. For directions and more information, simply stop by our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or give us a call, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're looking for a copy of today's program, you can either contact us by phone or mail. Send $5 and we'll get a CD out to you. Or stop by grace-bible.com and download the audio file for free. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. 94541 is our zip code. And one final note as we conclude our time together today. We're able to come to you daily here on KFAX because of friendships and partnerships with people such as you who see the value of this ministry. Now, while it is free to listen to, for us, there is a cost, and we are a listener-supported ministry. No matter the size of your gift, it's greatly appreciated. So would you take a moment and pray about it and then contact us with your gift today? 510-886-9782 is our phone number, or write to us, 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.